bringing you key insights, tips, and advice from the brightest minds in the Canadian franchise industry. This is the Franchise Canada Chats podcast. Welcome to the Franchise Canada Chats podcast, where we take you into the world of franchising. Our interviews are with franchisees, franchisors, and industry leaders who give on the pulse expert advice and share their franchising insights and experiences. I'm your host, Stephanie. This is season three, episode 10. In this episode, we feature Greg Nathan, a registered psychologist and founder of Franchise Relationships Institute. He shares how franchisors can maintain their franchisees' confidence as they work together to battle the challenges and changes of the COVID-19 pandemic. Here, Greg shares his expertise as a leading global expert on the psychology of the franchise relationship to explore a variety of tips and tools that franchisors can use to lead their teams. This episode was adapted from Greg's keynote presentation titled Getting Franchisee Buy-In to Change as part of the Canadian Franchise Association's Business Recovery Summit series. The month-long series of webinar presentations took place throughout October. You can learn more at cfa.ca. Enjoy the episode. Hello there. My name is Greg Nathan. I'm the founder of the Franchise Relationships Institute. And in addition to being an advisor to hundreds of franchise networks around the world, I've been a registered psychologist for over 35 years, specializing in business psychology. And I have a fascination with the people issues in franchising. As we move into this session on getting franchisee buy-in to change, I'd like you to think about two things, if you could. The first is the levels of change your franchise network is going through. And I bet you there's a lot of change going on for you. If you are a supplier, perhaps you'd like to think about a franchise network that you're working with. Now, you'll see that I have an iceberg here, which I'll explain shortly. But for the moment, I'd like to ask you if you could select which of these levels of change are relevant to you. Now, level one means that you're just having some minor tweaks and improvements to some of your products and services. Level two involves change to basic systems and operational procedures. Level three would include significant changes to your leadership team, which is probably going to impact on your core strategies and your culture. And level four involves changes to your culture and the way that people are interacting with each other and doing things. And this is usually linked to level three. Now, next, I'd like you to think about a specific initiative that you are rolling out at the moment where you're getting some resistance. And it would be helpful if you keep this in mind as we go through the concepts and the principles I'm going to share as these are very relevant to helping you to not just getting franchisee buy-in to the change, but there's also other important stakeholder groups often involved. These may include your own teams. And this is important because you can't lead from behind. If your team has doubts or resentments about the changes that you're introducing, it's unlikely they're gonna be able to motivate the franchisees to adopt these, right? Now let's start with a model, I call it the three-legged stool, and it explains the foundations of the franchise relationship. Now, like all stools, the, the three legs are designed to give the stool maximum strength and stability, so it can withstand the inevitable pressure that occurs 
in our case, in an interdependent franchise relationship. Now, an interdependent relationship is where the parties are connected so they can't just walk away and do something else when the relationship becomes uncomfortable. Marriage is another example of an interdependent relationship. Now, as I describe the three legs, I want you to think about what's needed for each leg to remain strong. We're gonna start with the legal leg. Now this describes the legal obligations of both the franchisee and the franchisor. And look, this leg is largely defined by the franchise agreement, but it also includes any franchising laws that are relevant to jurisdictions that you operate in. And it would also include laws pertaining to your particular industry. Now, while all decisions you make, they need to be legally sound, they need to be fair and reasonable, there's far more to a healthy, stable franchise relationship than just legal compliance. And I think these days, most attorneys and lawyers would definite, definitely acknowledge this. Now, let's move on now to the next leg, and we call this the commercial leg. And this is really the reason why the franchise relationship exists. It's there to enable you and your franchisees to make money and to grow your brand. And you do this by making good commercial decisions that are going to drive profitable sales, protect your brand and expand your market share. These commercial decisions are, should be based on research and logic. However, the best thought out strategy in the world is not gonna get very far if the people that you need to make it happen don't get behind it. We've all seen this, right? And they're not gonna get behind it if they don't trust you or if they're not committed to making it happen. And this brings us to the emotional element of the franchise relationship. Possibly this is an invisible leg, but it's probably the most powerful leg and we call this the psychological leg. Now in all relationships, including the franchise relationship, there needs to be a level of trust and commitment if people are going to engage constructively together. Trust, what is it? It basically means that we have confidence that another party is genuine and safe to deal with. They're not gonna hurt us. Commitment takes this a step further. Commitment is a, willing, a willingness to take action on what the other party wants us to do. And because this leg, as I mentioned, is in many ways invisible, you can't see trust and emotions and commitment. It involves expectations, it involves beliefs, it is often overlooked. And while all these three legs are important, our experience at the Franchise Relationships Institute is that the psychological leg is the most likely to seriously destabilize a franchise network if it's weak or broken. Now we've seen examples, you've seen examples, I've seen examples where a franchise all rolls out an important initiative. It's probably absolutely legally watertight. So you can insist under the franchise agreement that the franchisees adopt this. And there's probably and hopefully a lot of good commercial evidence to say this makes sense. It's gonna make everyone money. And yet the franchisees dig in their heels. They either don't fully believe what they're being told. They suspect the initiative may somehow be harmful to, to their business, or they just don't wanna do it. They don't wanna cooperate. We don't, we don't know why. Now you've seen this happen. I've seen this happen. 
So we've got a great initiative, but people just don't get behind it because they just don't trust that something's right about this and, and, and they're just not prepared to open themselves up to this. Let's look at this issue of trust a little closer then. So we define trust as people having confidence that something is safe and true. And we define commitment as a willingness to take action. Now you can have trust without commitment, but you can't have commitment without trust. So I want you to think for a moment, what helps your franchisees in your experience to feel confident that they can trust you? In other words, they believe that what you're asking of them is for their benefit and what you're telling them is true. Now, when we ask franchise or executives this question, they often say things like, well, you know, things that build trust are do what you say you're gonna do, be transparent with information, show empathy that you do understand the needs of your franchisees and demonstrate that you have their best interests at heart. Assuming they trust you, think about what's going to now get them to commit to take action, to spend money, to invest time or resources into implementing something. And this time, when we ask franchise or executives this question about what motivates franchisees to commit to take action, they'll often say things like, get them involved in the process in some way. Um, if we pilot test the initiatives in a range of business types that are similar to most of the franchisees, that will give them comfort to take action. Consulting, getting their ideas helps them to, to um, engage with the initiative and also demonstrating that the decision has been based on good data and good research and facts. And finally, sharing some of the costs and the risks is, is gonna show that this is a fair and reasonable approach and that may get them to make commitment. Now, a word I'm going to use from now on to describe trust and commitment is engagement. And to create engagement, we need to create a safe psychological space. Franchisees are going to engage with you. They're gonna to listen to what you have to say with an open mind. And this is very important, this concept of psychological safety, because people will not engage if they don't feel that this is a safe space to engage with you in. The opposite to psychological safety, we could call it psychological threat. This is where people become closed, defensive, and fearful of not being taken seriously, or perhaps of losing face. I'm gonna visualize this psychological safety or psychological threat using the concept of green brain or red brain. Now our brains are on a hair trigger to react very quickly to psychological threat. And when this happens, we become emotionally reactive, we, we become defensive. On the other hand, the brain is much slower, in fact, four to six times slower, to engage with new people, with new situations, especially in this current environment where there is so much uncertainty and stress. So I now want to look with you at how we can fast track this process to keep our franchisees in what I'll call green brain mode. Now the part of the brain that lights up 
when we become defensive or emotionally reactive is the limbic system. This is the more primitive reptilian part of the brain and it includes a little organ called the amygdala. Now it's called the amygdala because it's shaped the size of an almond and amygdala is Greek for almond. And anything that makes people feel disrespected, uncertain, bullied, alienated, treated unfairly is going to trigger this threat response. Now, if people feel that you're taking something from them, the threat response will also be triggered. People do not like loss. When someone's in this red brain mode, they can sometimes feel overwhelmed and a lot of unhelpful emotions such as fear and loss and anger can start to well up. It's very difficult to engage with someone in a trusting way when they're experiencing this red brain mode. Now, the prefrontal cortex is also known as the smart brain. And this is the part of the brain that enables us to think clearly and engage with others. Your job as a franchise or leader is to keep yourself and your franchisees as much as possible away from the red zone and into the green zone. And this is where you're gonna have those really good conversations, creativity, engagement, and commitment, positive action is going to occur. Let's now bring in the psychology of change into our discussion because there are two types of change. There's the change that we choose because we have power, we have control. This is great, this is exciting and motivating. And we make these choices in our daily lives all the time about you know, where we're gonna go, what we're gonna wear and so on in, in a small way. But there is also the change that chooses us. This is when somebody else is calling the shots, when things happen that we have little control over or little say in. And you can see in our diagram here that the change that chooses us also triggers what I call the red brain threat response. Now, if you're a franchise or listening to this, you need to remember that you have more control usually over what is happening in the network, especially when you're introducing new initiatives, right? Your franchisees, on the other hand, are often going to feel that they're on the receiving end of the change. And this means that they're often going to be in red brain mode, in the threat mode, while you're likely to be in green brain engaged mode. So in a sense, you can have two different sets of experiences. You're feeling motivated and pumped to make something happen. Your franchisees are feeling like they're victims of the change and they're digging their heels in. So. Your first goal should be to help franchisees feel more part of the change by, as I mentioned earlier, by involving them, consulting with them, reassuring them that what you're proposing is safe. In other words, we've got to strengthen that trust and commitment, that engagement. Now, I've always already given you some strategies on how to do this. And I now want to introduce you to the idea that change also has different levels of depth. And the deeper we go in the change, the more threatened or fearful people are going to feel. Let's go back to our analogy of the iceberg. Now, the reason why deeper change creates more doubt and fear is people experience 
a deeper sense of loss. Let's start on the surface. Let's talk about products and services. Now, this is the part of your business that the customer also sees. When you change a product or a service, this in itself is often no big deal. Businesses are always constantly making adjustments and changes to their products and services. And this is often the fun part of running a business. We move things around, we change our displays, we introduce new promotional offers and so on and so forth to keep things fresh. Now, earlier I referred to this as a level one change and perhaps many of you said, yep, we're going through a lot of that. Imagine now we're gonna put on some goggles and some flippers and we're gonna dive deeper in under the water. This is those aspects of the business the customer doesn't see. We're now gonna move down into level two change. And it's here that we start to experience some resistance by franchisees. <clears throat> so we've got systems and processes. Now, when you change a system or a process, franchisees will by necessity be losing familiarity with the way that things were done. <clears throat> Remember this, every time you ask someone to change the way they do things and learn a new habit, you are asking them to invest more of the most valuable and scarce resource that they have. And it's not money, it's energy. So they're gonna to have to expend energy because they now have to learn new habits. And the brain uses up more energy than any other organ in the body. You, do you know the, the brain weighs just 2% of our body weight, but it uses up 20% of our energy. And in addition to using up more energy, franchisees are also likely to lose time and money when new systems and processes are involved, right? So little wonder you're gonna get some resistance here. Now let's go a little deeper to level three change. And we're going to now need an aqualung. We're going down deeper, we're gonna stay down there longer. And if you make level three change to leadership or to your core strategy about perhaps what type of customers that you're targeting, what sort of markets you're operating in, you're now introducing significant new relationships where trust needs to be reestablished um, you're, and you're also raising the level of risk. Now, the average tenure of a franchisee in Canada would be around seven to eight years. And franchisees, this is the average. So some franchisees have been with you for 15 years, perhaps 20 years. And these more mature franchisees are gonna be thinking, this strategy doesn't work. We've got to cop the consequences. And many of them have experienced this before. They've had their share of botched initiatives rolled out by enthusiastic new executives who have come along, joined the organization. They're keen to make their mark, right? And sometimes they don't understand franchising. They don't understand the market and things sometimes don't work out as they could, but the franchisees are left carrying the can. So, and the, and the franchise or executives then move on. So it can create a sense of skepticism and even cynicism. So defensiveness is likely to be higher at these more strategic levels of, of change and understandably so. Now we're gonna go really deep, almost to the, the subconscious of the franchise network. And it's here that 
there's a lot of pressure. And so we don't get crushed. We need to perhaps go down in a bathysphere. And what we're talking about here is culture and people's sense of identity, the values of what's important. Now, culture often comes from a shared history between people, and it includes their beliefs about what's important and, and how we do things around here. If you make changes that disrupt the culture or people's sense of identity or, or what is valued as important, if you do this without consulting them, you can expect a, a, an outcry. People will be outraged. And if you do find franchisees or even members of your own team are distressed or outraged about a change and they can't put it into words why, this is usually a sign that you've touched a deep cultural issue. Now, often when there's a merger and an acquisition, and we're, we're seeing more of these, aren't we? This creates this type of cultural distress. Now, here's a list of types of loss that can be associated with changes at any one of these levels. So change at the top level can also trigger a sense of loss at another level as well. Now, earlier I asked you to think about a change that you've introduced where you're getting some resistance. Now, I want you to now think about what types of loss might your franchisees be experiencing in relation to this change? I'll give you an example of how a minor change in a system within my own business was symbolic of a deeper cultural change. And it triggered an incredible outrage in me. So many years ago, I, I appointed a, a new manager to run our public events. And the first event was a large live forum, not, not dissimilar to this, except we had over a hundred franchise or executives coming together at an event. And lots of different brands at attending. When I arrived, I noticed that the delegates, the delegates were being given a lanyard that was branded with the logo of one of the large Australian banks who were not a sponsor of this event. And I, I was just speechless. And I, I grabbed the, the, the new manager and I said, what's going on? And he smiled and he said, oh, this is great. The bank gave us these lanyards for no cost. And so we've saved $200. So I was absolutely incensed. I was totally in red brain and, and I couldn't explain my, my concern. I, I was so emotional because I'm thinking we've just lost our brand recognition at this, which is our event. And I was concerned that this wasn't fair for the sponsors who had paid money to be recognized and that this would damage our credibility. So, so I'm suffering loss at a number of levels and our relationship with them. Plus, I've always been very proud of the competence of our team and this stupid decision was in a, in a sense symbolic that I had an incompetent person on my management team. So I mean, experienced a, a sense of loss, of recognition, of fairness, of credibility, of relationships and of competence all simultaneously just because of one so-called small decision. And I remember, starting to rant in front of all the participants that, that were arriving. And I was saved by one of my longer term team members. She, she ushered me off to the side and she literally had to talk me down. So, so I hope you understand what I'm saying. Sometimes a, a so-called small event can trigger a very emotional reaction in people because it's symbolic of a deeper sense of a loss of identity or a loss 
of, of credibility or status or some other things. So when you roll out a new initiative, I'm recommending that you categorize the levels of change of, that the initiative may be touching on, level one, two, three, four, and the types of loss that may be associated with the initiative from your franchisee's perspective and from the perspective of any other significant stakeholders. Now, I'm now going to give you a simple and powerful technique to help you reduce the defensiveness that inevitably occurs when people are on the receiving end of change and are suffering one or more of these types of loss. And it's called NEMO, the NEMO technique. So let's go back to our red brain and our green brain. Now, when people feel threatened by a change, as we said, they're going to be more in a red brain mindset. Now, one way to help move them towards green brain is to name the loss. You get them talking about this and then you acknowledge that you understand this. And once you've provided evidence that you do understand someone's concerns or difficulties, they're going to be more likely to engage with you in a conversation rather than becoming defensive or rigid or defending a position. So the N stands for name it. And what we're talking about here is simply pausing and naming an aspect of the change that's causing them difficulty. We're, we're naming what's going on. This process of naming things tends to refocus. It engages the thinking part of the brain in a more constructive way. You, you might say something like, I appreciate your frustrations about a certain initiative, or you may make an observation that based on their questions and their comments, that they may be concerned about a specific aspect of the change. Could be the cost, the timeframes, the inconvenience, or they may have concerns about a potential loss of customers. Now your body language and your tone of voice matter a lot. So the E stands for empathize. So it's very important when you're naming something that we're non-judgmental, we're genuinely seeking to be helpful and to understand what's going on from the other person's point of view. Now empathy actually has three elements to it. The first element is can be feeling another person's discomfort but not everyone's able to do this and it can be misleading because sometimes we just project our own feelings and our own stuff onto other people and we're not doing it accurately now the second element to empathy is possibly more accurate and this is making an effort to think what's going on from the perspective of the other person and how it might be impacting on them and this is probably a, a, a more useful approach. And, and you find this out by asking questions and listening very carefully and then paraphrasing back to the person for clarity to say, so what you're telling me is in your own words, and this is giving them evidence that you in fact do understand what's going on for them. The third element for, of empathy is having an intention that you wish someone well, you're, you're showing care and consideration. This is also very powerful and effective. Our research tells us that when franchisees believe that you genuinely care about them and their business, they're more likely to engage with you and they're more likely to be proactive and more passionate about the brand. If you have shown empathy 
what you're going to find is the other person starts to settle down and move into what I've visualized here as yellow brain. It's the transition stage to the more engaged green mindset. Now, you can put forward some solutions. Um, you can ask some clarifying questions to get to the heart of the matter because um, they're going to now be more open to listening to what you say rather than being defensive. And so we call this move on because the discussion is going to focus on the future and on solutions. Now, if you're in a group, you may like to do roundtable exercises where you invite the franchisees in small groups. You can ask them, what do you like about the initiative? Um, what concerns do you have about the initiative? And most importantly, what questions do you have that if we can satisfy your questions, you're going to feel more optimistic and, and more likely and more committed and more comfortable with the initiative? Now, if you're on a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone, you might be able to flush out any concerns by just asking them what's on their mind and then having a coaching conversation, focusing them on solutions and useful actions that you could take or perhaps that they can take. Now, I want to briefly remind you that there are certain fundamental social needs that we all have as humans and if these are not considered, you're likely to throw someone into a defensive mindset. Now, two of these are the need for respect and the need for fairness. Very powerful. And I can guarantee that if someone feels that they're being treated in a disrespectful manner, like they're looked down to or patronized, they're likely to get angry. This particularly applies to franchisees. Now, franchisees are happy to be led, but they do not like being managed, right? So ensure that the wording and the tone in your communications is respectful and it gives the franchisees a sense that they're being treated almost as an equal stakeholder in the change, like a strategic partner. Now, the other need is for fairness. And this is hardwired into the psychology of our brains. It, it goes to the heart of how communities can function effectively and live together in harmony. This involves a belief um, that we're gonna be tr treated fairly, um, that if we give someone something, they're gonna reciprocate. And if someone has a belief that they're being taken advantage of or that others have received unfair benefits, especially if these are at our expense, it's going to trigger feelings of betrayal, anger, and resentment. So you need to explain to franchisees why your initiatives are fair and reasonable for all concerned. And see if you can give them evidence that if there is any inconvenience or cost, this is being shared fairly, perhaps amongst the group and even with yourselves. So you're also sharing some of the risk as well, and some, as well as some of the returns. So in summary, I'm suggesting that you factor the psychological leg into your decision-making. You consider the legal implications, the commercial implications, but more, most importantly, the psychological implications and, and ensuring that you're strengthening trust and commitment. Recognize that change has depth and the deeper the change, the more resistance and distress is likely to be evoked in your franchisees or other stakeholders. 
use Nemo to name the different types of loss and ensure that your tone of voice is respectful and that you can explain these new initiatives in a fair and reasonable way for all concerned. Now, if you found this presentation on the psychology of franchising helpful and you'd like to access more evidence-based strategies for leading franchisees and supporting franchisees, we're constantly doing research and running programs around this to support the franchise sector. You can register and receive a free tip from, from me, I give these away. You can register at our website and there's also some various professional development programs there. Meanwhile, please stay well. I wish you every success as you continue to lead your networks through and out of the pandemic. So please take care and uh, I, I hope to see you again at some stage in the future. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more franchising resources, including how-to articles, expert advice, franchisee success stories, and franchise opportunities, visit franchisecanada.online. You can also learn more about franchising at cfa.ca and can connect with specific franchise opportunities at lookforafranchise.ca.